0: Throughout history and up to modern times, we invite you to pull up a chair, put in your earbuds, and allow us to enlighten, educate, and explore the real reasons why Black African Americans are so angry. Because until you know the whole history, it isn't American history at all. Hey, you know, Courtney, summertime means vacations, baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and the National Spelling Bee. The National Spelling Bee is controlled by the E.W. Scripps Company, and it's now known as the Scripps National Spelling Bee, and it's been around since 1941. It's grown from a contest between just a few dozen kids to an ESPN televised face-off between 562 finalists. It's a national tradition, and in 2020, because of COVID-19. That marked the only time since World War II that the National Spelling Bee didn't occur.
1: And even though I personally use Grammarly and autocorrect on my phone to help me with a lot of my spelling errors, and Carol, I can't even lie, I am captivated by the spelling prowess of these young spellers. This year's winner is a history maker in her own right.
0: Well, Courtney, even I find myself asking Alexa how to spell a few difficult words. So, Everyone needs a little help sometimes, spelling. But as you said, this year's historic winner might be the exception. Zayla Avantgarde, the multi-talented 14-year-old who won the hearts and minds of this year's Scripps National Spelling Bee, she's the champ. And she's the first Black African American to ever win the competition. Now, not only does she spell well, she's a three-time Guinness World Records holder, a basketball prodigy who can bounce and juggle while riding a unicycle, and she eventually plans to attend Harvard University, but she already has received several full-ride scholarship offers because of her win.
1: Well, that is impressive. Sometimes I can barely walk and chew gum. So this lady, doing all, young lady doing all these things is a phenomenon who not only is a world record holder, but beat out millions of kids in this spelling competition.
0: You're right, Courtney. Over 11 million students currently participate in the Scripps National Spelling Bee at the school and uh, local level every year. And the only other time a student of color who has has won the B was in 1998, when 12-year-old Jody Ann Maxwell from Jamaica took the crown.
1: And when Zayla was interviewed after her win, she herself noted the absence of Black African-American competitors. She said, I'm hoping that in a few years, I'll see a whole lot more African-American females and males, too doing well in the script spelling bee. You don't really see too many African-Americans doing well in spelling bees. And that's a bit sad because it's a really good thing. It's a gate opener to being interested
0: in education. Well, that quote by the winner is very much on target, but J. Michael Durnell, the Bee's executive director, admitted the competition is not immune from America's history of segregation and racial discrimination. Although he did point out that local school districts were actually the perpetrators of that history rather than the bee him itself. According to Dernal, um, the bee has always been open.
1: Well, the bee may always have been open, but it hasn't been without its
0: fair share of systemic racism. Oh, so true, Courtney. Perhaps Mr. Durnell doesn't know the story of Magnolia Cox, the first Black student to make it to the National Spelling Bee's final round in 1936. Her story shows that even something as seemingly innocent as a spelling bee has shadows of systemic racism lurking in the background. Now, here's the story. Cox was described in the Akron Beacon Journal as a shy eighth grade spelling whiz who endured segregation and Black code laws of that time. After leaving Ohio on her way to the competition aboard a train, she and her mother were moved into the Jim Crow car at the Maryland border as they headed into DC for the competition. Now that was the requirement of the time. Once a train crossed the Mason-Dixon line into southern states, Black African-American riders, regardless of the type of ticket they held or bought, they had to move into the dirty, hot, and uncomfortable cars reserved for Black African-Americans. Now, once in D.C. at the competition, Cox and her mother weren't allowed to stay with the other contestants at the hotel, They couldn't eat at the same pre contest banquet tables with the other contestants, and they weren't even allowed to use the same elevator at the competition. Now, despite these abuses, Magnolia smelled brilliantly and advanced to the final round of the competition. Now the judges that some writers describe as all Southern educators, they all grew visibly uncomfortable when she was one of the five students remaining at the end of the competition. They gave her the word nemesis with a capital letter N, but Magnolia did not recognize it from the list of the 100,000 words she had studied because it was a capitalized proper noun in her dictionary and it referenced the goddess from Greek mythology. She hadn't studied the word that ultimately disqualified her from the bee, ironically, the word nemesis.
1: Wow, that must have been a huge blow to Magnolia. A hundred thousand words studied only to be beaten by what she considered a proper noun. And I read that she became so discouraged by this that she dropped out of school shortly after the competition.
0: Yes, she did, Courtney. And although we don't have proof, I can imagine that loss at the National Spelling Bee and the systemic racism of the times were contributing factors in her leaving school. But I think you have another story about an outstanding but little known spelling bee winner who faced systemic racism and a dramatic spelling bee outcome, just like Magnolia Cox did. I do.
1: When the months of May and June meet, those in the know know that it's spelling bee season. And the goal is always to reach that highest level from their local bee and to secure a spot in that Scripps National Spelling Bee. And many people say there's nothing more American than a spelling bee. We even said that at the beginning of the show spelling bees are where everyone can have an even playing field and it promotes spelling education that was the original premise of spelling bees to show teaching methods on the city state and national level along with bringing pride to the child but not only just the child and their families but the school and their hometown for many, the Scripps National Spelling Bee is the final stop on the road to spelling glory. And we've already mentioned Zelia Avant Garde's epic history making 2021 win making her the first african-american winner in the Bee's 96 year history that door has been opened a little bit wider for african-american spellers but with all the stories that i tell there's always some nefarious secrets hiding and there's even some hiding in the world of spelling
0: Mm. boy (laughs) we would never guess that so let's hear this nefarious story
1: Now, in 1908, 17 years before the first official Scripps National Spelling Bee took place, the National Education Association hosted their first National Spelling Bee at their annual convention in Cleveland, Ohio. Ohio's popping up again with some great spellers. And that year's winner was a 14-year-old Cleveland student by the name of Marie C. Bolden. But this caused so much controversy that some say that her very appearance was the reason why there wasn't another national spelling bee again until 1925. Hmm. So let's go back to 1908. The national education organizers had invited the nation's cities to send their best eighth grade spelling teams to participate in the spelling bee at its convention. 34 cities did so, including Boston, Buffalo, Cincinnati, New Orleans, and Pittsburgh. And Marie was on the Cleveland team, but she almost didn't make it because how they would qualify the students is you would take a test and the top 15 spellers would join the team. And Marie was the last person to be added on to Team Cleveland because she had missed most of the words of the top 15 spellers. Now, it's said by Warren E. Hicks, the former Cleveland assistant school superintendent who ran the event, that it was a historical event, event and it was planned to foster the teaching of spellings in school, but it resulted in much more than that. It showed that every boy or girl has a fair chance, but there were some teams that took issue with that fair chance, meaning Marie on the team. She was the only African-American in the entire spelling bee. And the team with the most issue was Team New Orleans. Now, at this time in 1908, Jim Crow was very much the law of the land in the South. And the idea of children from the Crescent City having to compete against even just one African-American student was something that they did not want to do. Now, before learning of Marie's participation, um, excitement around the first national spelling bee had been contagious in New Orleans. They tested 750 white students searching for the top 15 that would represent them in the contest up north. The team would be accompanied by several chaperones and school officials, including the New Orleans school superintendent Warren Easton and his assistant superintendent John Conniff. Now, at the time, none of them even considered that an African American would be a part of the spelling bee. Uh, they. That was until they realized that the schools in Cleveland's inner city were were segregated, but they still took it as a joke that their white children would even have to compete against the black child. In a documented school board meeting, which included Andrew Wilson, who will come up later, James Brennan and Superintendent Easton, as well as John Conniff, somebody asked the question particularly to no one, you know, what would happen if a Negro was on the Cleveland team. Well, Mr. Brennan said, go ahead and knock the
0: N-word out. Wow, so <laughs> even a kid isn't uh, protected in the circumstances that, when it comes to Jim Crow and systemic racism.
1: At all, Mr. Wilson gave us a similar rep- pri- would give a similar reply. Um, but later uh, those two gentlemen would have schools named in their on- honor just a little side note talking about mm-hmm. knocking out little kids but they have a, a schools <laughs> named in their honor but I digress back to the spelling bee of Good 1908
0: boy. that kind of reminds me <laughs> of the confederate statues anyway back to 1908
1: now the teams of school children poured into Cleveland from all points. Like I said, Boston, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and New Orleans. They went boating on Lake Erie. They had their pictures put in the Plain Dealer newspaper. School choirs would be performing. And on the final day of the festivities, Booker T.
0: Washington would give a speech. So this was a big deal. I bet kids going to this got a Big kick out of it. This probably was the highlight of their school year or maybe even their whole life.
1: It might have been. All the children said they had a fun, fun time traveling to, at the time, the country's fifth largest city, which was Cleveland. They all rode in by train, which was a great adventure. But as the team from New Orleans got a look at their competition What was once a funny joke or a a veiled threat became very frighteningly real when they saw Marie file in with the rest of the team. Immediately, the New Orleans school officials demanded that Marie be taken off the Cleveland team immediately. They went to Superintendent Hicks um, and said, you know, they need to get her off the team and here's an actual quote that superintendent hicks gave in an interview they said they didn't bring their children to the north to compete with the colored
0: oh okay so now superintendent hicks was the superintendent for cleveland
1: warren hicks is the superintendent for cleveland and easton is superintendent easton is the superintendent for new orleans
0: okay so easton wanted the little girl marie kicked off cleveland's team hmm. OK. All right. That's that's privileged. But go ahead.
1: Now, since New Orleans was the favorite team to win, they pulled kind of a, a weak move and said, well, we'll boycott, we'll exit the show, knowing that people came to see New Orleans because of how well their 15 spellers had performed in the preliminary test. And Warren Hicks could have easily removed Marie because remember, she was the last person to make it on to the Cleveland team, but he refused and he is quoted as saying this, we held out our friendly hand to New Orleans. The Cleveland school leaders said that Marie had earned her place fair and square, and she would keep it. And they urged New Orleans to stay. So they were pretty much saying, New Orleans, if you're as good as you say you are, prove it.
0: (laughs) There you go. Hey, if you're that upset about an African, Black, African-American being on the team, then here's your chance to outspell her.
1: Exactly. And with that, the spelling bee was on with everyone included, including Marie and the New Orleans team. They said they would compete. Now, on June 29th, 1908, five hundred and ten children from all over the country ascended on the hippodrome stage. Now, first, they took a hundred word written spelling test as each word was pronounced. And this was telegraphed and broadcasted around the world. So this was a really big deal.
0: So now, that's kind of like the the spelling bee today being broadcast on ESPN. So this is a big deal.
1: It's a huge deal. Now, after the written test, each speller took the stage to spell four words aloud in front of a crowd of thousands. Among the words the contestants were asked to spell were Negroes, prejudice, separate, perverse, misspell and embarrass
0: hmm, that's an interesting lineup of words but mm. anyway let's moving on Many historians and people
1: who have been asked about the 1908 spelling bee uh, are divided that to to know did Marie know that they were trying to kick her off the team what was going on but everyone has said this she did find out the actual morning of the spelling bee so they don't know how long it took her to find out but at least the morning of the spelling bee Marie learned of the attempt to remove her from the competition and they say that there was a total change in her demeanor after finding that out in her interview with 14 year old Marie um, with the Cleveland Plain dealer newspaper she simply said this it was Cleveland against other cities and I wanted to win because my father and mother wanted me to when I felt nervous at the hippodrome I st- it steadied me to think of these things she said I kind of just gritted my teeth and made up in my mind I wouldn't miss
0: a word wow marie marie (laughs) she has nerves of steel
1: i think i want that quote on my on a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt
0: i gritted my teeth
1: and i made up my mind and that's exactly what she did marie did not miss one word either on the written test or spelling out loud At the end of the day, Marie was declared the competition's individual winner after spelling all the words correctly, and Cleveland was declared the winning team. Now, its competitors missed three words on average. Pittsburgh came in second, missing four words, and New Orleans, the favorite team came in third because they missed five words on average
0: oh the mighty new Orleans team that was threatening to boycott hmm, well okay. instead
1: of worrying about boycotting maybe they should have been studying their spelling but mm. i digress i digress but marie was even mentioned mentioned in booker t washington's speech the next day and he said this i think you will all admit we spell out of the same spelling book you do he said but I think you'd also admit we spell a little bit better.
0: No, oh, we got a little jab in there. <laughs> a
1: little burn, a little sick burn from Booker T. Washington. Mm-hmm. Now, as Marie was celebrated, everyone congratulated her. She was congratulated by hundreds of people, even kids from the New Orleans team, shook her hand after President Francis H. Hasselrott of the Cleveland Board of Education pinned to her dress the gold medal which denotes the championship of American public school speller but despite this historic win there were still forces at play that would do anything to ruin Marie's moment and steal the joy from Black African American student spellers around the country but more on that
0: after the break Wow, Courtney, I can imagine our listeners were cheering Marie on just like me, but it looks as if her victory lap is going to be short-lived. So after the break, I guess you'll tell us how, as they say, defeat is about to be snatched from victory. Want to learn more about systemic racism? Or maybe you want to leave us a comment, rate our show, subscribe, get blocks of swag, or reach out to us on social media. Well, you can. Go to our website, www.podpage.com. Why are they so angry and connect with Courtney and me. You can even sign up to take our course systemic racism, see it, say it, confront it, all that waiting for you at www.podpage.com. Why are they so angry? See you there. All righty, Courtney, we're back. Now, When we left off, Marie Bolden and her teammates were celebrating an historic Spelling Bee win. Now, what happened to take the glitter off that moment?
1: Well, once back in New Orleans, fingers started pointing and somebody was going to have to pay for this team's embarrassment. When the New Orleans Picayune asked for a comment about the loss from Superintendent Warren Eastman, easton he said i do not care to talk about the negro episode but news of the spelling bee had been all over the press and people wanted to talk about you know what had happened now remember that school board meeting where they were joking about even the idea of having a black speller Hmm. that meeting with warren easton john conniff and andrew wilson Mm -hmm. I I
0: recall uh, sometimes that when you joke about stuff, it comes back to bite you. So anyway,
1: it does. Sometimes when you do clownery, the clown comes back to bite. And that's what happened on the heels of Marie's win. The joke had gone from laughs and, and giggles to accusations and finger pointing to find out who was to blame. John Conniff blamed Superintendent Easton for even allowing white students to compete against the black speller. Warren Easton turned and blamed Andrew Wilson, who was an, a juvenile court judge, for not giving him better guidance on what to do if the teams were
0: integrated. Boy, oh, boy. Everybody's got a finger pointing somewhere. Hmm. Easton
1: was quoted as saying this as far as my position on the Negro question is concerned, the people of New Orleans know that I'm Southern born, and I feel as keenly up as keenly about the traditions and sentiments of the South as any other citizen. And I would have been the last one to deviate from those sentiments and traditions. So I guess he's saying, I'm here, I'm racist, I wouldn't have done this on purpose. I don't, I don't know. Mm. And finally, he said, I sincerely I regret most sincerely what happened. So Easton's apology was not not enough. So on July 7th, 1908, he announced that all teachers at Black public schools, all white teachers in New Orleans public schools that taught in Black schools would be replaced by Black teachers. And he didn't explain why, but local newspapers and people in the know said this, this change up in the teacher roster at these schools was directly, you know, in... Response to what happened at the Cleveland spelling bee. Three days later, the New Orleans school board passed a resolution censuring Warren Easton in his role in this scandal.
0: A scandal, the spelling bee scandal, my the goodness. The
1: spelling bee, a, a 14-year-old in the spelling bee scandal. And this is what they said in that resolution. We deeply deplore and regret the unfortunate occurrence at Cleveland and the pitting of our children against a Negro, the resolution said. Resolve further that we condemn the action of the superintendent throughout this affair as unwise and a result of, of poor judgment. Now, Easton promised that New Orleans students would not take part in any more academic contest in the north. And They even scrapped the party that they had planned for the New Orleans team, they were third place finishers, they were going to have a party, but it was noted that there had been great dissatisfaction on all sides about the loss. So these
0: kids end up being punished for adult foolishness, basically
1: exactly which would foster i would think even more like resentment against black students if you're mm-hmm. telling kids well it's the little black girl's fault you guys don't get a party and we're not celebrating you that would stir up some racist feelings i'm just mm-hmm. just saying but the whole you know v- facade of everyone's upset about the spelling bee was not true at all. In August of 1908, the Black YMCA in New Orleans announced that it would be holding its own spelling bee in Marie's honor at the Simpson Memorial Methodist uh, Church. And they had medals and advertisements were were printed out. And everyone was so excited for the spelling bee. But the
0: mayor at the time, Martin Berman, shut that down. Okay, so I'm I'm confused again, (laughs) Courtney. Young people are about to have an opportunity to have a fun event, participate in a spelling bee, sponsored by the Black African American YMCA. And the mayor shuts this down. Oh,
1: he shuts it down. And he gives a very a quite detailed reason in a quote from the New Orleans item on their front page from August 24th, 1908, mayor Berman stated his reasoning for stopping the spelling bee um, at the black YMCA is this. I consider that every consideration should be shown the colored people. And I've never attempted to interfere with their entertainment, but when the whole country wrought up as it is at present, over race questions, and we recall the intense feeling over what happened at the Cleveland, Ohio Spelling Bee. I'm rather surprised that any of the colored leaders should do anything to intensify this feeling. I have determined not to issue a permit for this entertainment, he continued, and have instructed the inspector of police to take all serious precautions necessary to
0: stop it. So he's going to call out the police to stop a spelling bee of children from happening at the Young Men's Christian Association event, sponsored by and it's sponsored by a
1: church. It's it's so threatening, and I guess as I did my research, they were afraid that the spelling bee would cause the black people to riot.
0: Okay, riot.
1: -Riot. Right.
0: <laughs> Can you spell riot? <laughs> okay, I'm I'm flabbergasted but again, um systemic racism continues to flabbergast me at every point, but what happened next?
1: Now, I wish I could finish this story with Marie's victory and her going off in, you know, into the annals of history, but in a strange case of events I can't do that. She lost her formal title. After it emerged that the professor who announced the words at the written portion of the spelling test gave the wrong definition for the word capital, and Marie spelled capital C-A-P-I-T-A-L when it should have been C-A-P-I-T-O-L, which altered, in quotes, the results.
0: How convenient, how convenient. Anyway, go ahead.
1: So that changed it to that two other white girls had perfect scores and Marie had missed one. So Cleveland, the team, was still the championship, but Marie was stripped from her stripped of her title.
0: So basically, because of a technicality, which I question, it would be almost a hundred years before a black African-American speller would win the national spelling bee.
1: That's right, Aunt Carol. Marie Bolden and Magnolia Cox, though basically unrecognized, stood alone as Spelling Bee champions until uh, Zelia avant historic win in 2021.
0: And what I find ironic is that she is from Louisiana, the very same state that denied Marie Bolden her Spelling Championship honor. Well, revenge is a dish best served cold.
1: <laughs> but yes, the story did happen in Louisiana and it's a very different one today as the whole state, in fact, the entire nation is embracing Zelia avant-garde and celebrating her her victory. So I hope that somewhere Marie Bolden is is clapping her hands for Marie Hurt and Magnolia Cox. But in Carol, do the prospects appear any brighter that there'll be more Black African-American Spelling Bee champions?
0: Well, we can hope that will be the case, Courtney. Now, while Avant-Garde was the only Black girl to make it to the finals of this, uh, the National Spelling Bee, the full competition was actually sprinkled with what we like to call Black girl excellence. In particular, there were some fellow Southern girls. Uh, In fact, five of them, five black African-American female spelling bee champs, um, they bested their way through local tourneys to compete alongside avant-garde in the historic bee this year. And uh, those girls, those young girls, their names include Kristen Carrington from Smithville, North Carolina, Nema Morbeth from Spartanburg, South Carolina, Kiana Thomas from Manassas, Virginia, Sayer Stevens from Danville, Virginia, and Kanna Gerald from Durham, North Carolina. It's good to know those young ladies were in the running, but that's still not
1: a lot considering over 11,000 students participate in the spelling bee qualifications. What's holding other kids back?
0: Well, Courtney, it's all about resources, my dear niece. In the world of competitive spelling, and it's competitive, it isn't because black African-American kids don't want to spell. It takes resources to be competitive. And in a country where the median household incomes for Black African American and Hispanic families is tens of thousands of dollars lower than that of Asian and white families, some kids are at a disadvantage. Remember, we've talked about how systemic racism has created this wealth gap in America between white and Black African Americans. That gap is an obstacle that keeps kids out of the running of elite events like the bee. Now, Zayla herself saw an example of that dynamic just recently. An aspiring speller to whom she spoke during the virtual scripts event told her he didn't have Spell Pundit. This is a popular prep resource and that it has an annual subscription of about $600 a year. Now, Zayla Avant-Garde said, I can't even describe what not having Spell Pundit is like. It's like having a book with no pages, she said. But the young friend that she talked to said, I didn't have it because it was way too expensive. His family just couldn't afford it. And Zayla herself admitted that her own family had trouble affording it as well.
1: So it comes down to dollars and cents,
0: basically just dollars and cents that have built up over the years through generational wealth. Now you're talking, Courtney, as innocent as the spelling bee seems and as fair as it may be today, systemic racism still plays a part in who gets to participate and who doesn't based on America's unequal economic system. Check this out. It's now common for spellers to be coached by other past competitors who can charge about $200 an hour for their services. Many of the kids who make it to the finals have studied with the aid of competitive spelling guides, special computer programs, and private coaching like that. it could add up to more than $2,000 a month. Now, unlike typical students, avant-garde also had the ability to control her own school schedule. She's homeschooled and blocks out about seven hours each day to study words. She had three spelling tutors and specific computer programs that she used to uh, to prepare. Now, although there might be something called speller's luck, the real advantage is money.
1: Well, clearly, Aunt Carol, the people who run the National Spelling Bee have to know about these exorbitant costs to be a part of their you know competition they have to know this is a problem.
0: Well yes and to their credit this year they tried to ameliorate some of the economic discrepancies. The pandemic prompted the organization to send computers and other resources to more than 200 finalists in an effort to ensure that every child who made it that far could participate in a fair and equal and closely monitored fashion.
1: That certainly might have helped level the playing field, so to speak, for some competitors. But what about the kids who aren't finalists?
0: Well, the B now plans to get more students to join the competition going forward. And to do this, they're going to promote diverse student participation at the local level by using a wider range of sponsors, such as professional sports teams, to attract students and to encourage entire school districts to sign up instead of just having individual schools within a district compete.
1: Well, opening up those opportunities and making them be accessible is critical. I hope they add more ideas to this plan to up the numbers of Black African-American competitors quickly.
0: I certainly hope so too, Courtney. I recently read something by Carol Jenkins, CEO of the ERA Coalition and the Fund for Women's Equality, who said, If we don't want avant-garde to be singular in that kind of accomplishment, then we have to look at the institution. We have to look at the structures. We have to look at our educational system and ask, okay, what went right here? And what's been going wrong?
1: Well, that's a great place to start. But that brings our episode to a close. So if you're looking for something to do in between practicing for the spelling bee, you can always visit us at our website, which is www.podpage.com slash why are they so angry?
0: And you spelled that just right. Yay!
1: That brings today's episode to a close. We hope you join us next time when we continue providing the answer to the question, why are they so angry? As always, we hope you learn something so you can see it, say it, and confront it.